We've been in a series called Niche. This is week two, and as you heard in the announcement video, uh, you may call it niche or niche. I don't know what you call it, but the proper way is niche. (laughs) That's what I'm calling it because it sounds better to me. I don't know about to you, but the end goal is this, find yours in God's kingdom. That's really what this is about, is finding God's purposes for your life. Heard a story recently uh, about how God created things, and the story goes like this. God created a dog and told the dog, I want you to sit all day at the front door of your master's house and bark at every person that comes by. And for this, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. So the dog said, well, that's a long time to be barking. How about I do it for 10 years, and I give you the other 10 back? And God said, okay. And as you can tell right away, this is not the biblical account. So then he creates a monkey and said, I want you to entertain people, do tricks, and make them laugh. And for this, I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. He said, monkey tricks for 20 years? Performing? How about I do 10 years and I'll give you the other 10 back? And God said, okay, I agree. So then God created a cow and said, I want you to go into the field with the farmer all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, give milk, and provide for the farmer's family. And for this, I'll give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, wow, that's a long time to suffer. How about this? How about I do 20 and I give you the other 40 back? So God agreed. And then he creates man. He tells the man, I I want you to eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life. And for this, I'm going to give you 20 years. And the man said, wow, I I think I want more than, than 20 years to do that fun stuff. So how about this? How about you give me the 20 plus the 40 that the cow gave back and the 10 that the monkey and the dog gave back? And that's 80, 80 years. And God said, are you sure? He said, yeah. He said, okay. So what's the moral of the story? I guess we begin to understand that for why it is in our lives that for the first 20 years, we eat, we sleep, we enjoy our lives, we marry. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks, making our grandkids laugh. And for the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everybody who goes by. Finding God's purpose for your life. Again, that's not the biblical account. (laughs) But the fact is, is that God calls you and God has a purpose for your life. Somebody say amen. And this series is about finding that purpose. We're calling it a niche and we're using an acronym, uh, N-I-C-H-E, to find your purpose in life. Uh, N means natural abilities. We talked about that last week. Uh, The I stands for individuality. The C stands for charisma gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives you. The H stands for heart, your passions in life. And E stands for experiences, knowing that you have unique experiences only unto you that God wants to use to help use you and and reach other people in his kingdom. And when you put all those together, we call it a, a niche profile, And when you put all those together and you follow God's leading and pray that thing up, you're going to find your purpose for life. So today we're talking about individuality. We're talking about your personality. Did you know that your personality is directly tied to how God uses you in his kingdom? Isn't that interesting that God loves your personality? And you may think, well, I thought God wanted to change my personality. He wanted to change everything about me. No, God loves your personality. And it's part of what he uses 
to, to use you in his kingdom. It's what makes you, you. Now, are there areas that God wants to, to change about us and, and transform us? Yeah, absolutely. But to think he wants to change our whole personality is wrong. God loves your personality. And he uses it in a unique way in his kingdom as part of his purpose for your life. So let me ask you this. What do you know about your personality? Typically, when I ask that question, people think of all the things that are wrong about their personality. Well, I'm impatient. I need to work on that. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm angry at times. I kind of fly off the, the cuff. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. There are parts of your personality that are, are uniquely you, that God loves about you, that sometimes we'll overlook. And there's lots of books and articles that have been written about personality profiles and how to find that about yourself. And we could go on and on. Some use words like influencer or extrovert, introvert, uh, feeler versus a thinker. You ever, you ever take a personality profile test and, and, and hear some of those words? Whatever you call them, uh, experts agree on a few things. One, that most people have a natural combination of one to four of these things. Uh, and that there are strengths and weaknesses. In each, there are things that you need to watch out for in certain personality traits, and there are things that are really strong, that are actually good, that God uses and you can use in your life. But it's interesting, when Jesus was asked a question, what the greatest commandment was, maybe some of you remember this, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your, say it back, heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And it's, it's fascinating when he was asked the most important thing, he goes into four aspects of your life that tie directly to your personality. And what I want to do is I just want to take this verse, and for just the time we have this morning, I want to talk about your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and kind of, kind of correlate that to your individuality. Now, he says this. He says, love me with all four. So that means, you know, if, if we're, you know, tied into kind of one aspect of that and naturally but maybe not naturally in the other ones, we still have to love God with all of these things about us. Some just may become naturally, more naturally than others. Um, so we're going to talk about your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and tie them kind of to your personality, your temperament, learn the strengths and weaknesses, and then to challenge ourselves to be like Jesus Christ, who had the strengths of all four of these and didn't give in to any of the weaknesses. Thank God for a perfect Jesus, right? And as you learn more about your own individuality, you can use that as a part of your niche profile uh, and, and be on your way to discovering what God's purpose is for you. So let's just start with heart. Heart people, people that are kind of bent towards this personality, they tend to love with words. Did you know that in the scriptures there is a direct correlation between your heart and your mouth? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34. He says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Now, all of you old school King James person, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? We've heard that. Uh, what's in your heart eventually ends up coming out of, of your mouth. David said in Psalm 16, my heart is glad, so my tongue rejoices. The heart is connected to words. People that, that love with the heart, they, they tend, to, tend to use words as a way to do that. So that's the key word. Heart people love to talk. In fact, some heart people have a hard time being quiet. Know anybody like that? Don't point, just look. Heart people love to sit and dialogue with people. They love to have conversation with people. They, they always have a story to tell. Uh, they get pleasure 
out of conversation, helping people with words. And there are some real strengths that go with being a heart person and kind of using words to love. Proverbs 12, 18 says that the words of the wise bring healing, that your words can actually bring healing into someone's life. Is that true? I mean, at the right time, the right words, they can bring healing. They can help settle disputes, can't they? They can give you perspective maybe that you didn't have. Maybe somebody's words can help you communicate something that's in your heart that you didn't maybe have the words to say. Uh, It's one of the things I love about songwriters. You ever hear a song and you go, man, that's me. That's exactly what I want to say. That's exactly how I feel right now. I just couldn't put it into words. And so you, you, you send it to somebody. Yeah, we've been talking a long time. I have a, this is what I mean. Listen to this song, right? Song, they just have a way with words. We're talking about the teachers among us. We're talking about the counselors, the preachers, the, the coaches. They can help us make sense of life. They help us use words. They, help to, uh, to, to, they use words to help us go forward. They're, they're word users. Thank God for them. How many of you have had one or more people in your life that use words to help you along your path? You just, they always have the right thing to say. Um, But those are some of the strengths. There's also some weaknesses for heart people who uh, are talkers. Proverbs 10, 19 says that too much talk leads to sin. I love how open and honest this translation is. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) You ever just wanted to tell somebody that? He's not saying don't talk. What he's saying is choose your words wisely because the more you talk, the greater chance you have at saying the wrong thing. Reminds me of a story I heard recently of a a guy who went to an auction, and he began to bid on this exotic bird. He really wanted this bird, but every time he bid, he kept getting outbid. And so he would bid higher, got outbid. He bid higher, got outbid. Finally, he, he bids, and he paid way more for this bird than he wanted to, but he won the bid. He won the bird. The bird was his. And so he's going to pay for the bird, and he's talking to the auctioneer, and he says, man, you know, I really hope this bird can talk. It would be a travesty to have paid that much for this bird and the bird not talk. And the auctioneer said, oh, he can talk. Who do you think was bidding against you? Sometimes talking can get us in trouble. We talk too much. Talkers can can get to the point where they can dominate a conversation, not in a good way. They just begin to talk and talk. Someone may tell a story, and a talker could listen just long enough to tell their story. They begin listening for details that remind them of things about themselves, and they end up not listening to what people have to say. And the, the temptation sometimes is to talk and not listen. In arguments, listen to me. This is where I kind of want to dive into this, and I want you to hear me. In arguments, it's easy for someone with this type of personality to say a lot of stuff that they probably shouldn't have said in an argument. And then when the argument's over, they feel great because they got it off all they got it off their chest, but they just put the weight of the world on somebody else. And what they thought they were giving was light is just getting it off my chest, but it ended up being like holding a submarine to somebody else. It's it can be very 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 difficult sometimes for people with this type of personality to understand that, but they really need to take heart. So heart people You tend to love with your words. Don't stop doing that. But just know when too many words is too many words and when to talk and when to be quiet. Got it? Jesus said love him with all your heart. He also said love him with all your soul. Soul people. I'm a soul man. That's not in my notes. I just. Soul people. They they tend to love down deep with their feelings, with their emotions. 
In fact, in the Bible, uh, the, the word soul is used many different times, but a lot of the times it's used to describe emotions down on the inside. And you see this a lot in Psalms when David is talking. Uh, this is a man who wrote a lot of the Psalms, and he's, he talks about his soul a lot. He says, my soul is downcast, or my soul is disturbed, my soul is dissatisfied. Uh, sometimes it's my, my soul yearns for you. It's this deep-seated feeling. Uh, my soul is troubled. My soul is joyful. Uh, at times he writes about having a bitter soul. Uh, at other times he writes about his soul being thirsty. It's just this deep-seated emotion. Uh, I'm hum- my soul is hungry. My soul is rejoicing. My soul is delighted. My soul is longing. And so people that kind of have this personality, they tend to love with their feelings, with their emotions. Um, heart people are in touch with their words. Soul people are in touch with, with their emotions. You remember the song years ago? It was a worship song. This is the air I breathe. Do you remember that? And I, I'm desperate for you, right? Um, emotional people love this. So soul people, they, this is the air I breathe. The people that do with their minds, they're like, of course this is the air we breathe. We all need air. What are we talking about here, Right? And the soul person's like, I'm desperate for you. They just like tears rolling down their face, and they're doing this thing. And, and some other personalities, maybe that's not their song. They don't quite get it. Neither of them is wrong. It's just different. It's different personalities. The key word for heart people is words. The key word for soul people is compassion. The strength of soul people is they love being in touch with their emotions, but they love being in touch with other people's emotions. And so they can readily identify with you when you're going through a hard time. You ever go up to somebody who talks like a heart person and tell them you're having a bad day? They're going to give you an hour-long instructional video on how to fix it. They're going to talk to you, buddy. You go to a feelings person, they're going to say, I am so sorry. Life is hard. Talk to me. Let me hear you. Let, let me feel your Let me feel your pain. When you encounter a soul person, you are so glad that somebody understands you. Moms tend to be soul people with their kids. Dad wants to fix the problem. Mom wants to understand the kid's pain. Am I talking to anybody? This verse applies to all of us, but but soul people, they apply this a little more naturally. Ephesians 4.32, Paul tells us, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I think it's interesting that forgiveness is preceded with compassion. Isn't that great? God is saying, I've been tender and I've been compassionate towards you. Now it's your turn to do the same for each other. So are there any weaknesses with with feelers, with soul people? Yeah. Just like talkers have a hard time keeping their words in check, sometimes feelers have a hard time keeping their emotions in check. They have a hard time keeping their, their feelings in check, and they're tempted to let their emotions lead. And that's why Paul wrote, or excuse me, Peter, uh, one of the things he wrote us in 1 Peter 2.11, that's why he says this, Dear friends, I warn you, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Did you know that feelings aren't a bad thing? That feelings actually come from God himself? God gave them to you, but they were never meant to lead you. Hear me. They were meant to aim you. Feelings and emotions were never meant to lead you. They were meant to aim 
you. So if when you get angry about something or you get really excited about something, it could be anything on the extremes or everything in between with the emotions, they're meant to sound off an alarm in you that says, hey, there's something that needs to happen here. If you're extremely angry, there, there's it aims you. Man, you get amped up and you're like, I have to have a conclusion to this. I have to have some type of good result. And so it, it, it aims you at the fact that something needs to happen. But that's when the emotions are supposed to stop. And that's when truth is supposed to lead. So the emotion aims me, but the word of God, the Holy Spirit, right, is supposed to, I'm supposed to actually walk in truth at that point. So I get extremely angry at my spouse, and they have done something horrible, and I am angry, and I really want to give them a piece of my mind. The anger is supposed to sound an alarm that says, you know what? There is a result that needs to take place. Something needs to happen. It aims me. But I stop there, and I start to read the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit lead me that says that an angry person isn't, isn't the kind of person that God uses. It doesn't lead to the kind of lifestyle that God wants. A gentle answer turns away wrath. There's all these scriptures. There's all these, this, this word of God that's a firm foundation that I'm actually supposed to take and act upon. The emotion aims. The truth leads. Does that make sense? Let's flip the lid here. Somebody's really excited. They, they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and, man, the, the serotonin is pumping through the roof. They, this is the one. This is the one God has for me. This, this is the one that, that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Now, there's no reason why we can't go ahead and live together, right? And I know this is somewhat of a touchy subject, but I'm really excited. I'm really hopeful. I know they're the one. But then I get into the Word of God and let the Word of God actually dictate my actions. My emotion aims me. Hey, something needs to happen, but I let the Word of God lead me. And God is very specific when it comes to marriage and what the covenant is. And I just want to tell you, I have encountered... Uh, lots of people throughout the years that they say, well, they, well, how am I supposed to know if this is the one? Listen, let me, let me just give you this. Don't ever, 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 ever live with the benefits of marriage without the covenant of marriage. I've had several couples th- through the years that have heard that, and they've, they've kind of relied on the word of God, not their own feelings, and said, when can we get married? I say, as soon as you get the marriage license, we'll do it right here. And some of them have, and they put off the, the big party until later, and they've, they've made the covenant first. So do you get the drift? Our emotions can, can lead us if we're not careful. And if you're a soul person, you can take your emotions, and you, you can really let them lead into some really bad places. Emotions aim you. The truth of the Word of God leads you. And that's why Paul warned us in Galatians 5.16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And the only way that happens is let emotions aim, but let the truth of the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit lead and guide your life. So heart people, they love with words, their strengths and their weaknesses. Soul people, they love with their, their feelings and emotions, their strengths and their weaknesses. Now let's talk about what Jesus said when he said, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. Mind people, they tend to love with intellect. Now these are, these are great people. These are thinkers. These are planners, organizers. These are analyzers. In life, their key word is consideration. They consider things. And their greatest strength is that they bring rules and policies and procedures and everything that holds us together. They make sure that nobody falls through the cracks. And, and you're probably thinking right now, man, I know somebody like that. And, and if that's you, you're probably thinking, man, yes, go. Let's do this, right? They're, they're the detail people among us. They dive into And thank God for them. Problem is, is heart, soul, and strength people... We get naturally frustrated with mind people, with their rules and their plans. Is that true? 
sometimes it happens like that. The talker wants to figure out as he goes. The feeler wants to kind of feel their way through it, play it by ear. Let's just see what happens. The doer just wants to get started. Hey, why are we going to plan all this? We're wasting time. We need, to, we need to go. But all of us need to remember this, that a river without banks is a swamp. A, a relationship without boundaries becomes dysfunctional. A world without order is chaos. And I could go into all these cliches, but you get my drift here. Let me say it like this. You ever put together your kid's playset and sit back and admire the whole thing and then turn your head and see a bag of unused screws sitting there? That's when you're like, I wish I had a mind person here to help me. <laughs> like, it's important. Valuing rules and plans. Listen, get this. It's a part of maturity. Valuing rules, valuing plans. Children hate rules and plans, don't they? I mean, I don't want to eat my vegetables. Well, there's a reason why you have to do it. I, I, don't, I don't want to do my chores before I play. Well, there's a reason why you have to do it. They don't understand it, but they, they struggle with that. But are they supposed to stay that way? No, they're supposed to grow up. They're supposed to learn to value boundaries and value rules and, and see the benefits of boundaries and rules. If you're a parent of young kids in the room today, hear me when I say, don't give your kid everything they want because the boundaries that you set in place for your child is actually what will give them the feeling of security and, and a feeling of peace on the inside, knowing that mom and dad are in control. You're not there to be their friend. You're, that's why God gave them a parent, you, okay? The, the, the very things that they want that you feel like they're going to hate you if you don't give them, you're actually uh, inadvertently taking the, the, the boundaries away that actually give them a sensibility of peace. So boundaries, rules, these types of things, they actually have a benefit in us later on if we'll adhere to them. And it's the same thing with God's boundaries and God's laws that he gives us. David, in the Bible, he had a journey with this, but he eventually gets to see the benefits. Listen to what he says about God's law in Psalm 19, verse 7. He said, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. And we already knew that, but look at the benefit. It revives the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Yeah, we know that. It actually makes us wise. The commandments of the Lord are right. Yeah, we know that, but, we, but look it. It brings joy to the heart. That, see, there, there's rules, but there's also the benefit. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Guys, God gave us his laws because he loves us. He gave them to us so that we can have a, sense, uh, a sense of peace and joy. And when we value them, when we live by them, they actually become a foundation, a strong foundation for our feet. So that's why it's so important to learn what they are. So that's the strength of mind people, uh, of, of having that intellect and loving people with rules and loving people with the, the strategy behind that, because that's actually what gives people a sense of peace and joy. Now, are there weaknesses of mind people? Well, sometimes it's easy for mind people to depend so much on their plan and not God's plan. They plan themselves right out of God's will. James chapter 4, verse 13 Listen to what he says. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city or that city and we're going to spend a year and we're going to carry on business and make a lot of money. Any of you mind people have your life already planned out? Yeah. He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You, you don't have any idea. Instead, what you should be saying is, if it's God's will, we'll live and do this or that. But as it is, you're planning as actually boasting and bragging, and all such boasting is evil. Planners, thinkers, 
mind people, sometimes they value their plans so much that they become unwilling to compromise even if God wants to change it. Sometimes there can be an unhealthy value placed on their own rules and their own standards, and, and at the center of that is self, and the Bible calls that evil and sinful. In time, and, and this, is, this, this is the path that happens, in time, a mind person can actually get so judgmental towards people because they don't plan and they don't prepare like they do. And their plans and their rules become more important than the people that they're there for. The, the, the plan itself becomes more important than the people that the plan was supposed to support. They did this to Jesus. There were, remember the Pharisees in the scriptures, the legalists? They came up to Jesus one time when Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath, on the day of rest. It was a law. You're not supposed to do any work. And they just, they gave Jesus such a hard time for this. And Jesus came back and said, listen, man, chill out. This day of rest, it, it was made for people. Not People weren't made for it. The, the day of rest, the Sabbath, was supposed to bring health and healing to people. And you're getting on to me because I brought healing to somebody? The system had become more important than the people that the system was supposed to help. And so that can be a weakness for mind people. And so the, the warning is in Jeremiah 9.23. Listen to what God says. He says, this is what the Lord says. The wise must not brag about their wisdom. But if someone wants to brag, let him brag that he understands and knows me. Remember what, what James said earlier. When you plan like that and don't include God in it, it's, a, it's bragging. It's arrogance. But he says, the wise must not brag about their wisdom. Somebody wants to brag, let him brag that he understands and knows me. Let him brag that I am the Lord. I am, the kind, I am kind and fair and that I do things that are right on earth. Listen, I love this part. This kind of bragging pleases me. So if you want to brag, go right ahead. But brag in the fact that you know Jesus Christ. Brag in the fact that you're God's son or God's daughter, and he is instilling in you what you need to do and what, how you need to think. So heart people, they love with their words. Soul people, they tend to love with their emotions. Mind people, they tend to love with their intellect. Have, 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 you, have you gotten a hold of your personality yet in this? Then he says this, love me with all your strength. Strength people. Strength, people. And all the guys are going, oh, that's totally me. I don't even know what it is, but you said strength, and so that's got to be me. Strength, people, tend to love with their actions. These are the doers of life. Enough talk, enough singing kumbaya, enough planning, enough talking about our feelings. Let's do something. Let's get it done. And the key word here is contribution. They want to do something. They want to contribute. And their greatest strength uh, Psalm 16, or 116, verse 16. Oh God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free to do your service, right? AKA, coach, put me in the game. I'm ready to make the play. I'm ready to do this. I don't want to talk about history. I don't want to study history. I want to make history, right? Their phrase in life is get her done. Like they just want to get in there and they want to do it. And thank God for the doers among us. It's scriptural. You know what James says in chapter 1, verse 22? It says, don't deceive yourselves. Listen to that first line again. Don't deceive yourselves. Don't just listen to God's word, but instead put it into practice. Don't just listen to God's word. You actually have to do it. It's a scriptural thing to get things done, especially when it comes to obeying God. And I just got to say, if it weren't for the doers in your life, you wouldn't be where you are today. 
If she didn't make you get up and make that phone call, you wouldn't have the job that you have. Because you didn't think you were good enough for it, but she believed in you. Said, let's get it done. If he didn't fix that refrigerator and get it done, your food would be spoiled. Granted, he broke it when he first tried to fix it. But three days and four YouTube videos later, you have cold food again. Come on, let's get real honest. If that laundry hadn't gotten done, you'd be wearing dirty underwear right here. Some of you are. Don't lie. <laughs> Doers. Let's get it done. Strength people. They love with their actions. But doers have a weakness, do they? Yeah. Psalm 127, verse 2 says this, It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Doers can be, if we're not careful, drawn into this idea that being a Christian is about doing stuff, about having a checklist and getting it done, when in actuality, being a Christian and following Jesus is about becoming something. It's about having this relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, this is kind of intuitive, but at the same time, we forget it. God doesn't need us to do stuff. God spoke creation into existence. There's nothing you can do to add to that. But the fact is, is that God gives us things to do for us. He, he gives us the ability to become people of faith and to walk forward and do in faith. Because without that, we would never have God-sized goals. All of our goals would be, be small and doable. But God says, I've, I've, I'm going to give you this faith if you can walk with questions and be okay with that sometimes and expect me to do great things in you. But I'm going to do it in your faith. So do this. I want you to walk forward. And all of a sudden now we've got the power of God moving in our lives. He does that for us. He, he gives us the ability to, to do things like this, to pray and to commune with God and to actually do it, to spend time and discipline ourselves to do that, to draw into God's presence. Why? For us. He doesn't need us to do things as if somehow we can earn our worthiness of Him. We get to do things. And sometimes for doers, it's, we can kind of get that out of whack. And so He's not saying don't do stuff. He's just saying don't forget what it's all about. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And that's why Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 29 through 30. He said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's actually a good word for all four types. If you're a talker, if you're a heart person, Jesus might be saying to you, talk less and watch me more. Maybe if you're a feeler, if you're a soul person, Jesus might be saying this, learn to live life lightly. Be open to this life around you and don't let your feelings and emotions dominate you with every little thing. There's life happening all around you. And if you'll lift your head above the fog of the emotions and the feelings, you're going to see it. If you're a thinker, Jesus might be saying, don't just learn information, but learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And if you're a strength person, if you're that doer, Jesus might be saying this to you, work with me. Sure, work. 
but walk with me too. Learn something from me. So whatever you find your natural tendency being, don't forget that at the end of the day, you were created to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Can I pray for you right now? Lord, I, I know in the room and, and those listening online, Lord, there's, a, there's all kinds of personalities. Lord, and I, just like we talked last week about natural abilities and how everybody has so many different things about them that no one's created the exact same. Lord, it's the, it's the same with our personalities. It's, it's the variety that you've given us and that you continue to grow in us with our personality. And I, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for every person. And I just reject the idea and rebuke the idea that because of our personality, you don't want us. No, I say it's the personality about us that, that you love and that you use. Help us to submit the parts of us to you that, that, that you want to change, that you want to shift, that you want to help us get better at. Lord, but help the parts of us that are that are just simply us. Help us to own those things. Help us to capitalize on the strengths of our personality, Lord, and submit to you the weaknesses of it. But help us to love you with every single part of us. I'm grateful for the diversity, Lord. Lord, I know that the greatest need that we all have is, is not to get better at a certain thing. That's not the greatest need. The greatest need is to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I just pray for anybody in the room today that doesn't have a relationship with you. They haven't made you the Lord of their lives. And if that's you today, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me. God, I need you. Finding life's purpose is tough, and I'm tired of finding it in and of myself. I give myself to you. I believe that you really came to this earth to die for me, that you raised to life for me. You spilled your precious blood for me, but you're alive today. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody certainly ever sacrificed themselves for me like you did. So I give myself to you. I, I give myself to you and I recognize you as the sacrifice, the worthiness of God on my behalf. And when God looks at me and he sees you as the Lord of my life, Jesus, I'm seen as worthy. I accept that. And I want to live the rest of my life giving you the authority, letting all my decision making go through you. I submit myself to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Can we say amen together in the house today? Can we give it up for everyone that said yes to Jesus Christ and prayed that prayer? That's important. That's one of the most beautiful things that anybody can ever do. And I'll just say it's the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life because it outweighs this life. Guys, has this series been good so far? I want you to know that God has a purpose for your life. Last week we hit this hard, but I just want to hit it again. We're wearing these I Found It stickers. That means I've, you've probably seen them around the building as you've walked around. These are people that are already serving. They've already kind of found that, that purpose that they're serving in ministry here. Uh, there's lots of places that you can serve in life. We want to give you the opportunity to serve right here at the bridge. And so when you walk out today, there's a table. There's lots of opportunities that you can get involved in serving. Some require background checks. Some require talent. Like, for instance, if you want to be on the stage and play an instrument, obviously you need to be able to actually do that. Uh, and for a long time, people in the church thought, well, if I can't sing or play anything, I can't do anything in church. There are literally so many opportunities that you don't have to have a specific skill set. You just have to have a good personality and can smile and show up at a certain time. And we'll, we'll put you to work. The Bible says that a joyful look brings joy to the heart. God can use something as simple as a smile. And if you can do that or anything in between on that extremes, we can use you. 
and God wants to use you. And we want to give you, as your church, an opportunity to serve. So there's a table when you walk out. We want you to take a second and sign up. There's also some frequently asked question sheets. If you have a question about some areas, um, we want to put that in your hand today too. If you're here for the first time, thank you so much for being here. You picked a great Sunday to come. I'm so grateful that you were here. I want you to take your Connect card, and I want you to fill it out because we have a gift we want to put in your hands. Drop it off at the VIP desk on the way out. We just want to say thank you for being here with us. Uh, And for everybody else in the room, take a second and fill out your Connect card. If somewhere you want to get involved, we have baptisms coming up next month. If that's your next step, um, maybe you just have a prayer request. Hey, would you please pray for me in this area coming up this week? We, We want to do that with you. All right? I want you guys to have a great week. I love you, and I'll see you next time.